as we continue worshiping together today, siblings. I invite you to turn your Bibles or Bible apps to the Gospel according to John, the 20th chapter, verses 19 to 31. Let us receive together the word of God. When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. But Thomas, who was called the twin, one of the twelve was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But when he but he said to them, Unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands, and put my finger in the mark of the nails and and my hand in his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were again in the house, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were shut, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God! Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that through believing you may have life in his name. Receive what the Spirit is saying. Thanks be to God. What a gift to receive that moment in our worship in 2017. We were welcoming that day Reverend Luke Powery from Duke as our guest preacher. It was a good, good day. Friends, I want to remind you, if you're just joining us, that you can find ASL Interpretation on our YouTube channel. Links for that are found on our website, foundryumc.org slash ASL. We hope that you will connect there if that serves you best today. I also want to share a couple of announcements before we move into some prayer and reflection on our scripture for today. Um, we finished up our Lenten and Easter appeal last week, and our goal was $30,000 to support primarily the work of organizations locally in our area who are doing the critical work of caring for the most vulnerable in this time of illness pandemic around COVID-19. And you have been extraordinarily generous. We received for our appeal this year $49,592. And I simply can't say thank you enough. And I know that there are people who will not know who to thank. So let me thank you on behalf of all of them for your generosity, for the ways that you are caring for those who need us most in these days. 
we've already distributed over $30,000 of those funds toward the justice and mercy ministries that we have identified. And this week, more funds will be shared in support of homeless services and immigration relief funds. So know that your gifts are making a real difference. I also want to share with you that as we continue to monitor the situation and seek to to create safe spaces and make sure that we're leading well as a faith community in our city and nation, that we have made a decision at Foundry to maintain uh, this mode of ministry and community life through June the 10th. So want to invite you to kind of prepare your hearts and minds to be gathering in our current mode for worship, for classes and connection through that date. We will be monitoring as things develop, if that needs to shift in any way. And of course, we'll let you know. So we wanted to give you that word today. Will you pray with me? Oh God, as you once did, come into all of the rooms where we are behind closed doors. Perhaps some of us are worshiping outside today. Wherever we are, oh God, meet us right there and let your Holy Spirit move to open the word and to infuse my humble words with your gospel truth of love, of peace, of presence, and of hope. Let us receive what you have for us this day. In Jesus' name, amen. There's been a long tendency to think of church as a place to go, and perhaps to think that the work of the church is to go there and to get other people to go there. If our understanding of what the church is and for has to do with a building, a place to gather, then it's easy to think that to be a follower of Jesus is primarily about going to that place and getting other people to go to that place. And we're successful if we have lots and lots and lots of people who go to that place with us. Now, this is, of course, an overly simplified um, way of saying it, and few, if any, would say that they actually think that this is what the church is or should be doing or focused on, but I think that this imbalanced view of what the church is and what the church is for is fairly common, if not intentionally, at least in practice. I mean, it's what we say, I'm going to go to church. But on this first Sunday after Easter, this particular one, not only is the tomb empty, but so are our church buildings. We're not able to safely go to church in our buildings out of care for one another. We're staying at home and we are practicing social distancing. It is the faithful and right thing for us to do. But in this moment, even though we're not going to church, the church is newly alive in many profound ways. We're being reminded together of what we were taught in that simple song that many of us perhaps learned as children. The church is not a building. 
The church is not the steeple. The church is not a resting place. The church is a people. The people who are the church, Boundary Church and countless others all around the world are finding creative ways to connect, to care, to serve. And in conversation after conversation with colleagues, the trend is clear. New people are being reached and encouraged and supported and inspired by the love of God extended in and through the people and the work of our congregations. Generous giving to support direct service and the sustained ministries of our churches is happening. Worship attendance is strong and some folks are describing a sense of feeling closer to their pastors. I've heard that from some of you that you feel closer to us as we talk from our living room or guest room or parlor or wherever we're coming from directly into your home. New ways of connecting like Foundry's virtual coffee hour are providing folks an opportunity to meet people and to form relationships that never would have happened in the physical space of our community commons, simply because of who you sort of generally hang out with and whose paths you would cross. Even though we might never admit it, it's easy to make our spiritual lives about a place. And we at Foundry have a pretty spectacular place, so it's especially tempting. Our place and what it helps facilitate those relationships, our experience of God, and so many other things, all of those are beautiful gifts, and they're never to be underestimated or undervalued. Most of us, I know I, have been grieving not being able to be in our place of worship and gathered with, physically, our friends in church. That's understandable, and it's okay. <laughs> And it's also a sign of the beautiful ways that God has been at work in our lives, in our places, in our sanctuary, in our buildings. And also in this time, we're being offered a chance to experience what church is and can be when we move outside the walls. We're given a chance right now to experience all sorts of newness. So often in our congregations, we get locked in to certain ways of doing things. It can be very easy to end up contained in a holding pattern, even with locked doors, somewhat perhaps afraid of going outside our familiar, protective, spaces. Today we see Jesus come into that place where the disciples have gathered in a locked room out of fear. Mary Magdalene has told them of the empty tomb and of her encounter with Jesus, but the rest of the disciples haven't seen him yet. I've often wondered if they weren't only hiding out because they were afraid of meeting the same fate of Jesus but also on the off chance Mary was actually telling the truth 
After all, what would Jesus do to those who had fallen asleep and denied and abandoned him when things got real? In any case, Jesus appears not with words of judgment, but with peace, embodying the very forgiveness he commissions the disciples to practice. And he says to them, in essence, get out of this locked room. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. And he sends them out of the building, into the world. Jesus breathes spirit into them, the same spirit who brings life and order out of chaos at creation. God sent Jesus into the world out of love to share the gift of life in God, the gift of hope, the gift of peace and forgiveness. These gifts of God that mend, that save, that bring new life. This is what Jesus was sent for. And this is what Jesus sends us into the world to offer to participate in. As disciples of Jesus Christ, we're a people who are not only gathered into the family of God, but we are also inherently a people sent. God breathes into us spirit, enlivening us to participate in God's mending and life-giving work. We often talk about the church having a mission. I wonder how many hours have been spent in congregations all over the world trying to figure out what the church's mission is. But as we claim our call to be a sent people, we will begin to understand that it's not so much that we as a church have a mission, but rather that God's mission has a church. To participate in God's mission, God's mending, life-giving work in the world. That is at the heart of what it means to practice sacred resistance. As I've defined that, sacred resistance is anything, any word, deed, or stance that actively counters the forces of hatred, cruelty, selfishness, greed, dehumanization, desolation, and disintegration in God's beloved world. Today, I want to focus a few moments on the work that we share with God in mending creation. As you've already heard in our service today, this Wednesday, April 22nd, is Earth Day. It's the 50th anniversary of Earth Day. And I want to share with you a little bit of what happened that first Earth Day. In 1970, 20 million Americans, at that time it was about 10% of the American population in the United States, 20 million Americans on the 22nd in 1970 demonstrated for healthy, sustainable environment in massive coast-to-coast -coast rallies. Groups that had been fighting 
individually against things like oil spills and polluting factories and power plants and raw sewage and toxic dumps and pesticides and freeways and the loss of wilderness and extinction of wildlife, all of these different groups united on that first Earth Day around shared common values. And that year, they achieved a rare political alignment, if only, enlisting support from Republicans and Democrats, from rich and poor, from urban dwellers and from rural farmers, from business and labor leaders. And by the end of 1970, the first Earth Day led to the creation of the United States Environmental Protection Agency and the passage of the Clean Air Act. Two years later, Congress passed the Clean Water Act. And a year after that, Congress passed the Endangered Species Act. Fifty years have passed, and even with the extraordinarily faithful efforts of so many, the planet, its resources, habitats, and creatures continue to be deeply wounded by human action. The most tender and delicate creatures and plants are quietly disappearing. The less obvious effects of climate change are taking their toll. Just because you and I can't see the shrinking ice caps and the warming of the oceans doesn't mean that those things aren't happening. Just because our windshields aren't as splattered with bugs as they once were does not mean that that's a good thing. We know the webs and cycles of interconnection on our planet. Things in the web are disrupted and everything is adversely affected. Sacred resistance calls us to do something in the face of the disintegration of our planet. Our Judeo-Christian faith specifically calls us to be caretakers of the world and to remember that we are ourselves part of the creation. We're called to care, to reach out and touch the woundedness in the creation. We ourselves are part of that. We wound others, we wound ourselves. We are woven into the fabric of this beautiful and broken world. And we're sent as the church, sent by God to mend, to care, to nurture, to tend, to protect, and to share. I'm always amazed at the tenacity of creation. Even with all that we've done and continue to do, life is stubborn and continues to find a way to flourish, to flower, to bear fruit. As I reflected on this and pondered the gospel reading for today, I noticed that like the wounded earth that continues to offer itself to us with visions of renewal and life season after season, Jesus today in our gospel, offers his risen, wounded body to Thomas. An invitation 
to renewed relationship of mutuality. The power of life, the power of God is stubborn, refusing to be destroyed even when we do our worst. But let's not pretend there in Jesus' wounds, we see that there are lasting consequences to our thoughtless, selfish, destructive actions. We're invited to enter into those wounds, to reach out and touch the brokenness of our created world, brokenness for which we, in part, are responsible. What does it mean to do that, to reach out and to, to touch the wounds? Well, it means choosing to do something about it because it is simply not okay to say that there's nothing we can do, that it's too big. We can make choices that do make a difference. Right now, we are seeing what happens when human activity shifts away from practices that do harm. We've been sort of forced into it, but it's giving us a picture that something can change when actions change, when choices change, even after a relatively short time. Earth begins to renew. On Friday, Pastor Ben interviewed Reverend Jenny Phillips, whose ministry at the General Board of Global Ministries is focused on environmental justice and climate care. Pastor Ben asked Jenny to help us think about what we're seeing and learning about climate care in this moment and what we can do right now in this time of quarantine. I commend the whole interview to you. I'll highlight a few things that she shared with us. She invited us to ponder the ways that shifting to more local economies affects the planet for the better, to notice how shifts in modes of transportation make a difference, and to pay attention to energy and product use in our homes and our other buildings. She emphasized the critical importance of government policies and the need to encourage and hold our legislators accountable for common sense legislation that supports industry and jobs in ways that are sustainable for the planet. And in this moment, even as most of us are home most of the time, there are things we can do. We can buy less stuff with all that packaging that comes along with it. We can use what we already have. We can repurpose what we have. We can make do with less. We can make things in our homes. It's a great time right now to establish new practices and habits for creation care at home. What a gift to realize that in this moment when we may be feeling so helpless about how we might be able to bring any kind of healing in this moment of deep suffering. What a gift it is to realize that we can do things to bring healing to the earth, even right now. Today, we're reminded that the church is the people of God gathered in God's love and sent to participate in God's mending work 
in the world. To say we're a sent people is to recognize that it's not just about going to church or only saving or nurturing ourselves, but rather that we are to breathe in the gifts and grace and love and mercy of God as we're gathered so that we can be breathed out, sent into the world to live our whole life in a way that participates in God's mission of mercy and love in the world. Rather than just going to church, as they say, it's about being the church all the time. And in all the places that we find ourselves, that means participating in God's mending, God's care for this beautiful, broken world. In these days of quarantine, we may feel a bit locked in, but I want to encourage all of us to realize that we are the church no matter where or how we are gathered. God's spirit breathes into us and inspires our response. And though we can't be sent, I was realizing today that this whole invitation to be sent, it just may feel frustrating today. We may not be able to be sent into as many places as we might normally go. But through these days of Easter, these 50 days of Easter, we can care for creation and maybe even participate in the evolution of a new creation of ourselves, our church, and of the world. Wouldn't it be just like God to show up and do a new thing just when we feel most locked in? I pray that it's so. Amen. Friends, we are weekly invited to respond to the word that we've heard preached. And today that invitation to response comes to us first as a witness from Jackie Wright Martin, Foundry Social Justice Assistant, who helps to lead and coordinate the green team and its work as part of Foundry's Sacred Resistance Ministry. Let's hear from Jackie now. <laughs> 